0: Welcome to the Exchange Church podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at
1: Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks.
0: So welcome back to the Exchange. Super glad that you're here. Last week, uh, we started a little mini series uh, on a need for addictions. We talked about the holiday season and what it's like, you know, as everybody turns on Christmas cheer and and Christmas joy and all this excitement during this holiday season. But a lot of times after Christmas is over, the excitement kind of fades away. And uh, we understand that Jesus is the reason for the season, but we needed to be reminded that Jesus is the reason for every season, all the time. Amen? Amen. So we talked about last week, we need addictions in our life uh, for a few reasons. One, last week we need an addiction to him. We need an addiction to the presence of God. We need an addiction to who he is, what he is, and what he can do for us, and what he can do through us. So that's what we discussed last week, last week is this great need for addictions, a need for him. Webster's Dictionary says addiction is an, a, a compulsive need for, and use of a habit-forming substance. The state of being enslaved or a habit or practice or something that is psychologically or physically habit-forming, okay? That's what addiction is. And if you are learning how to speak English, there is a dictionary for English learners that I did not know existed. But if you are learning English, this is the definition they would use. Addiction is a strong need to regularly, everybody say regularly, because that's fun to say. It's a fun word to say. Regularly have something or do something. Okay, So there's this need, a strong need to consistently, regularly have something or need something. That's what addiction is, right? And addictions and habits are two different things. Addictions are something that you cannot control and you can't turn on or off. Habits. Something you can control, something you can turn on and off without assistance, okay? So there's a big difference. A lot of problems in the church today is that we have a habit of going to church, right? We have habits of, of being Christians, but we don't have an addiction to a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I say we, I'm not pointing at everybody. I'm just saying at the church in general, church has become a, a habit, not an addiction. We need Jesus Christ to be an addiction in our life. So last week we talked about being addicted to Him, being addicted to His presence. This week we're going to talk about the second addiction that we really need in our lives, and that is an addiction to loving people. Everybody say loving people. Come on, do you believe that? Say loving people. Now, I don't know if you're one of those people who love people, but I am. I would would like to believe I am. But you know what? I've turned that off. Right? Come on, you got real, real, real creepy quiet. Okay? I love people, love people, love people, love people, and the wrong guy cuts me off. I stop loving people for a moment. (laughs) Right? And then we get real. Because here at the exchange, we get real. We do real. So I love people, but it's something that I, that I have turned on and off when it's convenient for me. When they're nice to me, when they're nice and they're good and they're polite and they smile. Uh, Shelly and I were car shopping last week and we went to a, a, a dealership in Baytown. The sales guy came out. And we started talking and, and he was talking to me about these things. And as he was talking to me, I knew where he was from. And I said, "Where are you from?" And he goes, "Haiti." And I said, "I recognize that accent anywhere." So we just started talking about Haiti, and I told him our story and how we met my daughter in Haiti when she was a baby and, and adopted her. And So we're showing pictures, and he, he's like, "I love you. I love you, brother. You love my country. I love you. You know, thank you." And we just share, share, share. And he said, "What's your impression of Haiti? You think of Haiti when you, first, you go first time? What do you what do you tell people?" And I said, well, "I always tell people when that when they go." Uh, and they see people uh, walking down the street. You see Haitians. They all look like they want to kill you. That's the first impression. Because when you go to Haiti and you're walking down the street, they all look like they want to kill you. They just stare at you. They don't do anything. But if you smile at them one time, you're just walking by, you smile at them, you say bonjour or bonsoir, bon oui, whatever. You say something to them, they go, oh, bonjour, bonjour, bien, bien, et tout? Okay, and, and, and immediately they smile. So it just takes reaction. There's this impression that they're not that nice, but they really are very nice. But it's turned on, turned off, turned on, turned off. It just depends on who you're around. And sometimes that's the way our love for people is. is it's, we say we love people when it's convenient, right? So if you would stand with me. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter number 22. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the Sky Bible. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to start with verse number 34. It says, Hearing Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Now, that's all you need is a bunch of religious people fighting. Getting all jealous of one another. Because that's what's happening here. you got the Sadducees and the Pharisees. About 32 and 32 of each, give or take. That's what we learned. that, uh, And the two of these groups make up the Sanhedrin. So the Sadducees get silenced by Jesus. The Pharisees hear that. So they get together. And one of them, he's an expert of the law. Or you can translate that into know-it-all. Okay? One of them is a know-it-all. And he tests Jesus with this question. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, and he says, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest. Everybody say greatest. Greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on, he says, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Father, I pray right now for just an uh, incredible day. God, I pray for every person here. I pray blessings on their family, Lord, that this Christmas season will be uh, a season like no other, Lord. Father, but I pray especially this morning that you will just touch our hearts uh, with your spoken word. And we give you all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So what Jesus is saying is he's already shut up the Sadducees. So now he's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they confront him. This know-it-all comes forward, and he's like, so what's the great? He's, they're trying to trap Jesus, okay? This wasn't a friendly question. This wasn't The expert wasn't really trying to figure out Jesus' opinion. They're really trying to trap Jesus here. And so Jesus comes out, and he says something that just dumbfounds him because what he's saying in essence is, I don't care how much you think you know. About the word of God. I don't care how many scriptures you have memorized. Because by the age of 12. Did you know by the age of 12. That most Pharisees all had memorized the Torah. Okay. So they have, the, they have the scripture. The word of God memorized. They know the law. And Jesus comes in. He says listen. I'm going to give you two, two laws right here. Love God. And love people. All the other laws, 613 laws at the, at the moment, plus another 200 on top of that. There was a lot of laws, okay? You can't wear that to church. You can't sit by her. You can't sit by her. Okay, you need to take that off. Okay, you can't drink that. You can't eat that. Okay, you can't. You walk too many steps today. You're going to have to stop, okay? We have a Fitbit now that we pride ourselves on how many steps we walk, right? Back then, you get in trouble on the Sabbath day for taking too many steps. That's work. OK, so so they've got all these laws and this know it all confronts Jesus and Jesus goes, let me tell you, I'm break it down like this. I'm about to school you all so that there's no longer just an expert of the law. There is now an expert from all of you. OK, so I'm going to make you all experts. I'm going to give you two laws. Love God, love people. And he says all the other laws, everything that you've ever learned can be summed up in these two things. These two things I want you to memorize. I want you to learn. I want you to live out. That sounds easy, right? Isn't that awesome that we don't have to memorize all these commandments and we don't have to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me go to the law book. What's the law say? What did Moses write? Uh..." And we're going through all these tablets and scrolls, pulling out filing cabinets full of rocks that are etched on. Isn't that ridiculous? Jesus is saying, let me make it simple for you. There's two, two laws. Love God, love people. We struggle with that today, right? We don't like to admit that. And most of you in here, if I said, how many of you love God, love people? Most of us like, yeah, I love people. No, you love the people you know, people you're around, people you work with. You love your inner circle. But to just love strangers, to love people who've done nothing for you, we love based on what have you done for me lately, right? That's what we do. Love is the most precious commodity any of us have. Love is the greatest gift that any of us could receive or give. Love is the most intimate feeling that you can share. After all, there's a song that was written. I looked this up. And the song is written by a guy named Dion Jackson. I was going to read you the lyrics. But after I, I, this video popped up when I was reading the lyrics... And I just laughed, because to me it was awesome. So I'm going to play a little clip of the song, but this song was by Dion Jackson, and it was called "What Makes Love Makes the World Go Round." Y'all know that song? Some of you know. You, you might remember if you see this massively popular video with music. Has- and about Green Hill,
1: the British just Notice how they all dance with their mouth
0: open? Now watch, I'm going to show you a little bit more. They can't close their mouths because then they lose rhythm. Those are called stanky legs. That's back to the original stanky legs. was trying to dance, but her arms were heavy. She's like, ah, oh, they're so heavy. My arms are so heavy, right? I watched that video, and I was like, man, no wonder we had to teach them how to whip and how to nay-nay. That was, somebody was begging, teach me how to You teach me, right? No? No? Okay. We, we had to write songs that taught you how to dance based on videos like that. We had our artists saw videos like that and they were like, dude, I'm writing a song. It's called the Cupid Shuffle. And it's like, take one step right. No, another step right. One step back. Another step back. No, now, now you're going to turn in a circle, right? Because we saw people like that dancing. We we're like, whoa, what are they doing? This dance thing is never going to take off, <laughs> right? It's terrible. But there's a song written, love makes the world go round. I believe that. Do you believe that? Well, it doesn't matter. I believe it. (laughs) You don't all have to agree with everything I say, but I I believe that. Love is such an awesome thing because it's rooted in the very nature of who God is. John tells us twice in his very first letter that God is love. He says, God is love. We used to see it when we were little kids. First John 4, 7 and 8, right? Beloved, let us love one another. Love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God, knows God. You remember that song? Didn't nobody? All right, four of us went to kids' church when we were little. All right. That's okay. That's okay. We're not judging. And then it goes on in verse 8 and it says, And who does not, he who does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Okay? John's trying to tell you if you say you know God, But you don't love. You actually don't know who God is. Because He is love. The Apostle Paul reiterated it. The importance of love when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. Some of you woke up for the first time. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the exchange. If you haven't checked in, go ahead and catch up with us. Uh, the point is, is that's annoying, right? That's annoying. And he says, I don't care if you come into church and you just start speaking. in t- You start doing all the holy freaky jeeky things and all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, if you have all of that and you don't have love You're just like this annoying, the most annoying sound in the world. Ah! (laughs) Dumb and dumber. Anybody No. He says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, that's pretty awesome. He said, and understand all mysteries. Wow, that is a gift also. And I have the knowledge. And, And though I have all the faith so that I can move mountains. So that I can remove mountains. That's powerful, right? I mean, prophecy and knowledge and faith that you're moving mountains. You the man. You the man. And he says, but I have not love, then I fail. I fail. I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I love not, it profit me nothing. He's saying it doesn't matter how religious you are, how great you are, how special you are, how funny you are, how much scripture you have memorized, how many people you lay hands on and they're healed, how many times you come to church in one week because they're recording all your Facebook check-ins in heaven, okay? He says, I don't care about that. If you don't know how to love people, you have nothing, nothing, nothing at all. So what's amazing here is Jesus is confronted with these religious people. He's got the Sadducees. He's already put them in their place. Now the Pharisees are confronting him. And Jesus tells in front of his disciples, he says, I want you to do these two things. I want you to love God, love people. Okay? So that's that's the law. That's the rules now. That's the, the new rules, this commandment he gives. So the story goes on and... They come to a point where Jesus is about to go to the cross, okay? His time's come. He's about to die. They're sitting at the Last Supper, and I'm painting a picture for you. Jesus knows Judas is about to betray him, okay? So Jesus is kind of setting it up, and he makes a statement, and he says, he looks at Judas, and he says, take the money. Whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly, okay? So Judas knows what he's talking about. Judas takes off. He's out, okay? Okay? The other disciples, they don't know what's going on. So as far as they're concerned, Judas is going to buy stuff for the festival. He's going to get ready for the festival. Judas takes off. There's the disciples sitting there. Now Jesus is sitting with disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says this. A new command I give you. Everybody say a new command. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another." So there's nothing more worthy of our text and our study this morning than to talk about this verse right here, this one another. All the other statements and commands recorded in the Bible could really hang and hinge on this one statement right here that we love one another. This is what Jesus is saying, okay? So he's already told all the religious people in front of his disciples, you got two rules, love God and love people. Okay? Now, right before Jesus goes, he's telling them, I'm going to a place you can't go. Okay? You can't go with me. You're gonna to have to stay here. And he says, But I'm gonna give you one more command, one more rule before I go love one another. A new command I give you. So I wanna break this verse down in a couple parts this morning. You gotta remember as we apply this to our life, up to this point in his ministry, Jesus taught the disciples to love their enemies. He taught the disciples to love God with all their being. And he taught the disciples to love their neighbors as themselves. But this is the first time that he's actually telling them, now you got to love each other. Okay? Come on. Some of you have kids. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't It's that. I got this epidemic going on in my house, man. Peyton and Parker are the best of friends and the worst of enemies at the same time. I don't know how it happens, but it's magical. It's magical. And some really incredible conversations come out of watching those two fight and then hug and then fight and then hug and then fight, mostly fight. (laughs) So why is a new commandment needed if God's already taught them to love their enemies, love their neighbors, to love uh, uh, other people? You got to take a look at the religious life for the Jewish people back in the turn of the first century. Okay. There wasn't a whole lot of loving going on in the religious world in the, with the Jewish people back in the first century. You've got the Sadducees and the Pharisees divided. Actually, there are, about, there are four groups of really religious people. The Essence, Sadducees, Pharisees, and the Zealots. So you got four main uh, religious parties. The Sadducees and Pharisees carried the most power. Okay, then you got some of them followed the rabbi of Halil. Some of them followed the rabbi of Shemi. And then you've got the Herodians. I mean, just it goes on and on and on of the division. And this is the religious people. Okay, this is the religious people I'm talking about. Doesn't that sound familiar today still? If you drive from 59 down to Lake Houston, you know how many churches you're going to pass? Probably a dozen, maybe more than a dozen. And you know how many of them have a relationship with each other? Maybe a couple. I don't know. But not a whole lot, I'm sure. Do we hate each other? No, it's just, you know, different beliefs, different philosophies, different opinions of interpretation. And therefore, we start putting up walls, and it's not all together. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm telling you to love one another. That's how people are going to recognize you. So there's not a whole lot that has changed from back then with all the religious people to now all the religious people. We got Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Lutheran. Uh, We got Jehovah's Witness. You got Mormons. You got Catholics. I mean, it goes on. You got Scientologists. I would say that there's a little bit of division when it comes to religion. They weren't loving foreigners in their land. Most of them actually hated the Romans. They didn't love their neighbors as themselves. Most of them hated their neighbors north of them, the Samaritans. Okay, They were greatly divided over issues and practice. There were constant arguments over law and interpretation over the law. In other words, how many paces can you take on the Sabbath day before it's considered work? What can you do to get your ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath? Okay, These are big issues. And there are debates over these issues. You took too many steps. It's the Sabbath. Sit down. Stay there till tomorrow. <laughs> You've reached your max steps for the day. They probably, that would have been awesome if they had Fitbits back then. Because they would have all just been dropping everywhere. They'd be, you'd be seeing them walking down the middle street and they'd just drop. Take a seat. They're like, sorry. Can't do anything. I would save up all my steps right before the honeydews. Right? I would sit and watch the Cowboys all day. And then I'd go, dude, never mind. So Jesus goes on, they say, He says, as I loved you, you also have to love one another. Now, the word here, as, is a Greek adverb, and it's pronounced kathos, okay? This means in the same manner. So He's saying, in the same manner that I loved you, I want you to love each other. I feel like this is a conversation that I'm gonna have for years with my kids, right? Uh, as I love you, you gotta love your brother. I can't tell you how many, they are only two and three. I can't tell you how many times I've already t- asked them to go give him a kiss, go give her a hug, tell her you're sorry. I, that's constant in my house, all the time. So so he's saying, as I love, in the same manner that I loved you, I need you to love one another, <laughs> it's if you were giving an object lesson at your house and you are trying to teach Caleb, you're trying to teach Chubbs how to tie his shoes. So Daryl would say, Chubbs, I'm going to show you how to tie shoes, son. You're a, a junior in high school. You got to learn how to tie shoes, boy. <laughs> so Daryl would say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take these strings. You're going to do this, okay, and you're going to make a loop. You're going to do this, and you're going to take this loop. You're going to turn it in here, and you're going to pull them tight. You got that? And he's going to say, now do what I just did. What I just showed you to do. Now you do that, right? That's how we teach our kids. This is what Jesus was teaching uh, his disciples. He was like, You have seen me react. You've seen me react to religious people. You've seen me react to people who had no relationship with my father at all. You've seen me react to people who who doubt me, who who despise me. You've seen me show mercy on on people who were in need and, and desperate for a touch from me. You've seen how I've acted in all those ways. Now, the way that you saw me love, I need you to now love. So he's giving them this object lesson. So there are three adjectives that you can describe the way Jesus loved. And I'm going to break it down in three ways. The first word used to describe Jesus' love is undeniable. Everybody say undeniable. Undeniable. It's undeniable. Baby, we should be together. Nobody? Nobody knows that song either, Brian McKnight? Son, one, it's like a dream come true, two, just want to, nobody, really? Wow, wake up, wake up. There you go, two people now start singing. Repeat steps, one through three. Oh, yeah. What a great song. So the first word to describe Jesus' love is Undeniable undeniable. People could debate, and they did debate, whether Jesus worked miracles through the hand of God or through Beelzebub, okay? People could debate whether or not that he broke laws on the Sabbath day because a lot of people believed he did. People could debate whether he was John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the other Old Testament. Testament prophets, because they did debate those things. But one thing that people could never debate about Jesus was his undeniable love for people. Okay, He had an undeniable love for people. When Jesus is standing at the tomb of, of Lazarus, the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. The Bible says Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, and even as the rich young ruler walked away, we read that Jesus loved him. Isn't that powerful? He's standing there with the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler says, Hey, I want this, man. I want, I want to be saved. What do I got to do? And Jesus says, It's pretty simple. All you got to do is sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come follow me. The Bible says the rich young ruler turned away, walked away from Jesus. And what did Jesus do? It says he loved him. Jesus provided concrete example day after day after day after day in his teachings and his miracles and his healing and his acts of service that Jesus' love for people was undeniable. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can can people say that about you? If you were gone, would people say, man, he just loved people. Just there's something about her. She just loved people. She loved uh, just helping people and being with people. Jesus' love was real. It was something that flowed out of his life daily. It's something he couldn't hold back. There was a guy named Bill and a lady named Linda that I was reading about this week. They started dating. They were in Bible school, seminary together. They started dating. It was love at first sight. But Bill had this big problem. He was rigid and legalistic. Okay? So everything he did, he had to have a chapter and a verse in the Bible To go through with anything that he did. So he walks Linda night after night back home to her dorm. He looks at her in the eyes and he just stares at her. And he wants to kiss her. So he's thinking, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse. And he can't think of one to justify him kissing her. So he doesn't. The next day they go out again. They've been dating for a little while now. And the next night, same thing. And next night, same thing. Weeks go by, and he cannot find the Bible verse to truly justify. And then he finds Romans 16, 16 that says, greet each other with a holy kiss. That's it. Bam. That's what I'm talking about. Tonight, when I see her, I will greet her with a holy kiss. So he goes to his professor, and he says, hey, you know, I just, I just want to follow the law. I'm under law. I just want to follow the rules. I just want you to look at this verse. That way I'm justified. Make sure. And the professor goes, actually, that's not talking about dating. That's talking about church. The church setting. Ah, <sighs> serious? Yeah, no, I mean that's that's the church. It's like talking about greeting each other with all the kids. Ah! <sighs> <sighs> so he goes, he takes her out that night, and he's standing there at the end of the night and he's just staring at her. He's looking into her eyes and he's going, <laughs> She reaches up and grabs him and she just lays a big one on him. He can't breathe. They pull away and he's like, his heart's racing, it's pounding. And in his mind, he's going Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse, Bible verse. And she, right, she reaches up to grab him again. And right before she kisses him, she says, Matthew 7, 12, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> the love was undeniable. Undeniable. To love like Jesus, we have to have a love that cannot be denied. It has to be clear in our actions, okay? There can be no room left for doubting the love. To love one another and to make it undeniable, the way we do that is by showing love, okay? You have to show love. Biblical love, the love that, that we're talking about here is not an ooey-gooey emotional kind of love, okay? It's not a romantic kind of love. What I'm talking about is a love that requires action. And the reason I know it's not an ooey-gooey romantic love is because you can't command emotions. It would be like me saying, everybody be sad, cry right now. You can't do that with a smile on your face. Everybody be sad, cry. Stop, the smile. stop, stop. Everybody be sad. See, you can't do that because sadness is an emotion, okay? You can't command, but Jesus commands us to love. So he's talking about something that requires action, okay? Action. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So the only way that we can really prove that our love is undeniable... Is to manifest our love in concrete actions towards people. Amen? The second adjective used to describe Jesus' love is unselfish. Everybody say unselfish. Okay. Too often, our love has a little bit of selfish motives. In other words, I'll be nice to you if you'll be nice to me. My, my two little kids say that all the time. I'll share with you if you share with me. Okay, everything is I will if, and so it's all these selfish motives. A lady wrote a note to her boyfriend and she, that she had just broken up with about a few weeks earlier. And she says, Dear Jimmy, no words could express the great unhappiness that I have felt since breaking up our engagement. please. Say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Mary. P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Okay? See, sometimes that's the way our love is. Is we give expecting something in return. Okay? We, we give. Jesus taught us to give expecting nothing in return. He says, uh, don't give with, with, with blowing a horn or letting your right hand even know what the left hand is doing. Jesus practiced kind, this kind of love and he taught this kind of giving. Paul sums it up in the ministry of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 by saying, he literally emptied himself and made himself of no reputation. Okay, Jesus wasn't concerned about earthly wealth. He wasn't concerned about his popularity, his fame. It wasn't about that. And the Apostle Paul caught that. Okay, he saw Jesus's teachings. He he saw the kind of man that Jesus was. And the Apostle Paul caught that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul writes, and he's talking about himself. And he says, now that I'm ready to visit you for the third time, I will not be a burden to you because what I want is not your possessions, but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but their parents save up for their children. That's the only verse in the Bible I don't agree with. I'm just kidding. Okay. He, says, he says, so I will very gladly spend for you everything that I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? So what he's saying here is it doesn't matter how I'm, I'm treated. Uh, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to sacrifice and give you everything that I have no matter what. No matter your response to me. It's an unselfish kind of love. And as the church, we have to learn that. We have to learn that. We have to learn that, that the people that we want to attract into this church, we're not looking for what they can do for us. It's not about what they can do for us. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what they can do for us. But what can we do for them? Yeah. I, I've seen, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time now. I can't tell you how many people in the church will leave a church because the church hasn't done enough for them. The church doesn't do this for me and doesn't do that for me. And, and so people will leave to go find it. It's not about what the church could do for you. It's about what you could do for the church. Oh man, I thought I'd get at least four amens. Four amens. I didn't get four amens. Because it's about service. It's about serving the kingdom. It's about serving who God is so that we could reach the lost, so that we could reach people. So, an unselfish love. The third adjective to describe Jesus' kind of love is unconditional. This is probably the hardest way that we're to imitate Christ. Because we put conditions on everything, everything. When, when you got married, those of you that are married, you stood in front of your husband or your wife and you said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, sickness and in health, right? I mean, we're saying no matter what. And then after some time goes by, we get back from the honeymoon <laughs> and all of a sudden there's conditions on our marriage. Well, if you don't let me get this, then I'll leave. If you don't let me do that, then I'm out. I'll take the kids and I'll run. If you don't do this, if you don't change this, if you don't act like this, you don't straighten up, right? And all of a sudden we put all these conditions because our love is really based on conditions. And sometimes as Christians, it's the same way. Amen to myself. John 3.16 says, in case you've never heard this verse before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did the world love him? No. Absolutely not. John 1.11 says he came into his own and his own did not receive him. Romans 5.8 says but God commended, which means demonstrated, his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, when you could do nothing for Him, He still picked you. He didn't pick you because He thought you would be a great uh, a compliment to the body of Christ or to the church. He picked you when you were just dead in sin, when you were just all nasty, messed up, disgusting. He picked you. Isn't that awesome? Because a lot of us, we walk into church and we see all these people got it together. And we think, man, I could never fit in. All these people got it together. They must be like this with God. And God said, I picked you. I picked you just like I picked them when they were all nasty and disgusting. A little girl wrote a letter to God and she said, dear God, I bet it's really hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. This is a real letter that was written. And given in Sunday school. And she said, Because I only have four people in my family and I can't do it at all. (laughs) Sarah. We're like that, aren't we? We love people because, because of what they can do for us. We love people because they haven't done anything to hurt us yet. We love people because they're sharp or cool or have great personalities. Or because they're not that terribly irritating. But Jesus calls us to this love that's unconditional. That's unconditional. To forbear one another. Bear with one another in love. Paul puts it in Ephesians 4.2. Which means to put up with the idiosyncrasies of others. To spend time with ones who aren't the most beautiful people who don't have the highest rank in uniform. To love the people that have personalities within our church that are somewhat annoying. I mean, I'm talking about churches in general, not this church. We don't have any of those. Other churches on 1960 may have annoying people. I don't know. Not in this church, so don't get offended. Every every week somebody says, man, Pastor, you're preaching straight to me. I just don't want anybody to think I was preaching that straight to you. (laughs) But the question is, can you still love people despite their actions? Okay? Despite what they do to you or at you. God calls us to love one another in the church. So, how can we apply this message personally? So, let me make a couple quick applications. If the band could go ahead and come back. Number one. Love one another by doing loving things. Okay. Give sacrificially to someone in need. Cut somebody's grass. Watch somebody's kids. Go and and take some a meal to somebody sometime to one of your neighbors. You know that's one of the great things. And I have neighbors here, so you so you can't say I'm lying. But we have a few neighbors that come to our church. But we have probably uh, one, two, three, four, five houses that. Constantly do something together, okay? When, when somebody makes a meal, they usually all share, right? When somebody cooks, we all end up eating everybody's food together. Daryl and Cola live two houses down from me, and there's constantly somebody about my house playing basketball, or somebody they fixed food for us before. Uh, we're just constantly hanging out because it, it, we become neighbors, and you know what? We love unconditionally. We we stand up for one another. We have each other's backs. We fight for each other. So so try that. Try doing loving things. The second application is love one another unconditionally. Those people who maybe kind of get on your nerves that we typically try to avoid. That one lady who's just gonna just consume you with her problems. There's there's one person that every time I see their phone, and they don't attend this church, so don't start trying to guess. It's a friend of mine, not at this church. But every time they call me, I have to really debate if I have time to answer the phone or not. Because I, it's a guaranteed 45 minutes of them telling me everything that they're going through, which is okay. But I have to know that I can talk on the phone for 45 minutes. or I can't. And you can't answer the phone and say, hey, man, sorry, I'm real busy right now. Let me call you. That don't happen. Okay, man, just get right before you go. Okay, before you go. You just... <laughs> okay but it's unconditionally saying you know what yeah let me listen let me give you an ear and let me listen let me love you it's being able to talk to that annoying guy who just smacks his gum while he's talking to you I had a a person that one of my previous churches that I love this person so much but they got in my personal space y'all know what I'm talking about and when they talked to me, they had to be almost nose to nose. It looked like he and I were going to kiss on, on multiple occasions. And he didn't have the best breath. And so we would talk, and I would constantly go, really? And I'd back up, and he'd just follow me. It didn't matter. And the next thing you know, I'm pinned up against the wall. It's like, "Hey, on, my phone's ringing. I ain't got my phone? Where's my phone? it's raining somewhere I gotta go get that y'all know what I'm talking about but that unconditional love is talking about no matter what no matter who no matter why but it's just loving unconditionally Jesus says the reality of our faith people will know it when we love one another so right before he leaves, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, look, I, you've had, there's all these laws that have been floating around for years. I've summed it up in the two, love God and love people. But now I'm telling you there's one. Now I'm giving you one. One final command. Not an emotion, not something that you have to feel, but something you have to act upon. And he says, and this final command is I want you to love each other. And listen, Church listen exchange he says when you love each other when it is apparent you love each other when it is apparent that you love people and it's apparent on your facebook it's apparent on your twitter it's apparent in your actions it's apparent when you're in line at target and no other church people are around it's apparent when you're trying to merge on the traffic on 59 and 1960 at 5.30 in the afternoon on a weekday. Your love for one another has to be apparent. Okay? You can't turn it on and off. Can't be a habit. It's got to be an addiction. I, unfortunately, I, I have turned my love off uh, at times. But I can tell you this, in all sincerity, I do love people. I just, I really do. I love starting conversations with strangers. I love just hanging out with people. I find myself wanting to invite people to my house that I don't even know. Just because I just, I do, I really love people. So we have to put these things into action. So I'm challenging you as a church. Can we do that? Can we just do some crazy stuff? can we just love people in like some crazy kind of ways, some weird ways some some kind of ways that make people go wow, okay, you're loving me a lot, here. I, I get it I feel your love can we do that? can we figure out how to unconditionally undeniably love people unselfishly not expecting anything in return that we just love them I have a bucket here and it's got about 150 names in it. I'm gonna draw a name and we're gonna do something special, okay? I won't look. Fran Gicola. Can I borrow you for a second? Do you have that mic? I saw that mic floating around here. Caitlin's wanting to sing a special from the crowd. You can't sing anymore. I mean, you can sing great, but not right now. Hi, Fran. You don't want to sing? Okay. You don't want to sing, so I was not sure I pronounced that right. Chocola? Chocola. Fran, we want to do something special for you. We want to give you something special. And um, But before we do that, I want to play a video, Okay.
1: Fran and her beautiful family Fran is a devoted single mother to sack who is 17 Nathan seven and Finley who is two Fran is constantly involved in her children's life there is not a school program or function that I have seen her not show up to she has such a loving and gentle demeanor to all those around her however life has not always treated her the same but she has never let that get her down always striving and fighting for her children to have a better tomorrow. The season in life has proven itself hard to the single mother of three as she finds herself unemployed during the Christmas season. In this time that can sometimes be dark for some, God calls us to be the light and to be his hands and feet. This is a time to show her that she's not alone, that it does take a village and she does have a purpose.
0: See, the point of this is not to air out your, uh, your laundry, but so that you know we want to take a moment and we want to show love. Love like crazy. And maybe it was random, maybe it wasn't. Because there are 150 names and they all have your name on them. <laughs> Every one of them. So maybe it wasn't that random. There's a story in the Bible in Mark chapter 4 and Jesus he's ministering to the Bible says he's ministering to multitudes of people and he's given these parables okay he's talking about these parables of the seed this is where he gives the parable about hiding their light under a a bushel where we get the song And he's given these parables and the Bible says he's teaching the multitudes and at the end of the day he's famished he's done he's spent and he tells the disciples he said come on let's go we're going to get in the boat we're going to head to the other side now this is not like Lake Houston this is a journey, a big journey. So the Bible says he got in a boat, and then there are other smaller boats that went with him, and they started journeying across this water. And Jesus is a sound asleep, and a storm comes, and the Bible says that water started filling up the boat. Everybody starts panicking. They don't know what to do, so they call Jesus. Jesus comes in this way he says, peace, be still. The water stops. So they continue on their journey to the other side. They get there. And the Bible says when they get there, they're met by this crazy man, okay? He's possessed, he's crazy, he's, uh, and this does not at all associate with you, so don't think I'm talking about you being crazy possessed. And, and he's met by this person who is down on his luck, this person who's just, doesn't have anything to offer Jesus, he's not doing anything back for Jesus, but Jesus goes and he shows up and he, and the Bible says he ministered to this man. And when he ministered to this man, the man was completely restored. He was completely restored. Everything in his life changed. Everything changed. And here's what's funny. Jesus finishes ministering to this man and then he says, "Okay, let's get back in the boat and go back to the other side." What? So you you made us go this whole way just so you could do that?" And Jesus is going, "Yeah. All the names I had one, I had one person in mind. One person that I wanted to love and that I wanted to bless. And Jesus saying, if friend, if you were the only person in the world, I would do it for you. I would have done it again for you. And so you can feel down and you can feel like the world's just kind of beat and beat and beat. But I guarantee you, every person in this room has felt it. We have felt that pressure of giving up and wanting to quit and wondering how, how, how much more can I take? We're, our church is almost, we're just, we just celebrated one year from our launch. This is our second Christmas together. Last year we did this. And so this year we prayed, God, we want a great family. We want a family that we can just love and bless. So this morning, all of that is y'all's so we have we have a pile of gifts for Finley where's Finley's so uh, Adriana can help you take it home (laughs) you want to open this you want to open this come on let's open it this is for you you want to open it Here, tear it. You can just look at it if you want. You can keep it in wrapping paper if you want. It'll look great in your room. All wrapped up. What is that? What is that? Wow. Look at that. And it's upside down. It looks even better this way. Look at that. that for you? Yeah. And all those are for you. And friend, you have a pile and your other two kids have a pile. And then we have a card. And this should take care of anything that's going on with your apartment. All that kind of stuff. We want you to have the best Christmas ever. And it's the least that we can do as a church to figure out how can we love somebody unconditionally how can we love somebody you haven't done anything for me right you haven't given me anything but the point is just like Jesus Jesus is saying look I just love you and he wants you to know this morning that this whole service is about loving people and it was all wrapped up with your name on with your family's name on it and we've been trying to figure out for a couple months how to be sneaky and deceive you into getting you here we're trying to figure out what the line is of really lying and and being sneaky but we got you here and so we just want to say Merry Christmas and we love you very much and we're going to continue to pray. Would y'all do this? Would you just reach forth your hand? Let's just pray for our family and, and pray for the right job in the right moment. God, we pray for friend. God, I pray right now, Lord, that your hand be upon her family. God, that you touch her kids. Lord, that they feel so blessed and so honored this Christmas, that they feel like that, that this is the, the turning of a new page, a new chapter in their life. God, I pray for not just a job, God. We don't need just a job. But I pray for the most incredible, unbelievable job that will just go above and beyond what she's ever imagined, expected, what she's ever even thought that she deserves. God, give her something from you that she'll know that your fingerprints are all over it because it's only by the hand of God. So, Father, I thank you for this family. And we just pray blessings on everything they do, in Jesus name we pray, amen, amen, all right, look, all of these are yours, you want to take one with you, you want to take that one with you, it's small enough to carry, you get to take them all home, but we'll help you load them up, one more time, will you give her a big hand this morning? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but you're welcome to sing if you want. No? Okay. Sure, sure. Well, we love you guys. You can sing. You you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. She's like, yeah, we'll load it up after church. Not a problem. She's like, I don't know. I might stay for a minute. This is, It's kind of starting to grow on me a little. Kind of starting to grow on me a little
1: bit. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and
0: look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.